This week, we continue our look at Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, the newest addition to 5e Dungeons & Dragons. And this week, we're looking at the subclass, the Artillerist. Hello, this is the DMD. Let us tell you about our Teespring store. We have loads of awesome logo wear for you to purchase and show your support for the DMD. Your purchases help the podcast out a lot. It provides us with funds necessary to keep the podcast running, and it puts our brand out there so others can discover our podcast as well. Additionally, and while I cannot confirm this myself, I have been told that wearing DMD logo wear will grant a plus two bonus to your charisma. Head on over to our Teespring store at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash the Dungeon Masters Dojo and get yourself some DMD swag. Let your friends and everyone else know you're a student at the dojo. As a thank you to our listeners, we're offering a 15% discount on all items in our shop from now until the end of January. Just use code DDMD, all caps, all one word. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Scott. Hey, Bill. What's up, Lou? That much? How are you? Guess we're going over the artillerist again. More Tasha's stuff. Or more Tasha's More Tasha stuff. Yep. More of Tasha. Before we get started, I am going to do a shout out. Shout away. Shout away. All right. So back on Monday, December 14th, we got an email from Doug. I'm not going to say your last name, Doug, but Doug, Doug paid us a very nice compliment. He's a listener. And Doug, you are our first, I don't know. Fan mail or something? Gen- genuine fan mail, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we do appreciate the kind words in there, but Doug disagreed. <gasps> Gasp. <laughs> Doug disagreed with our take on the <laughs> artificer, and I'm going to quote Doug, I think you were a bit unfair in your appraisal of the artificer class. So we went ahead and, uh, you know, we got together. We're like, we need to email Doug just to let him know that we're listening, and we appreciate we appreciate his feedback and, and any other feedback we get. And we went back and, uh, as promised, and we did a little reading on there. And without getting too much into Doug's email, Doug, I, th- I think we were a little unfair. So uh, on, on, on several of your points, I, I, I stand corrected, as do my colleagues. But... Your your opinions and your insights into into this class, the artificer, are very much so appreciated and um, valuable. So, uh, you know, keep it up. Yeah, thanks, and, Doug. I mean, despite the fact that I'm the hard nosed guy usually, um, you did bring up some very very valid points, and we do appreciate it. And we just overall we appreciate hearing from you guys uh agree with us disagree with us uh, it doesn't really matter uh email us feel free to do that we we want to hear from you yeah we just like the fact that you're listening <laughs> well it's yeah. also good we can um have a discussion about it you know um, yeah to you know to doug's point maybe we were a little bit a little bit unfair 
But, you know, I think we were just taking everything from the viewpoint from our world. And in our world, you know, those, what we kind of said was, you know, how we feel. Um, in our world, I think the, art, the artificer class in general, only because of some of the things he could do if somebody really wanted to power metagame if he wanted to, could really hurt a campaign. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think that's, um, you know, what to piggyback off on what Lou was saying, these uh these are our opinions. Um, so our opinions may differ from yours and, and, uh, our interpretations certainly will, will, will differ. So I don't want anybody to, we've been playing for a really long time and we've been running for a really long time, but that doesn't mean that we are experts. Oh, hell no. Just no, far from experience. <laughs> yes. Very yeah, experienced. Know? Um, and we could be wrong and we can misinterpret, um, you know, and I think that's, or we could just interpret the way we do so, and that's that's you know how the game how the game goes usually. I mean, you you bounce around from one group to one uh, to another, and their interpretations of things may may be a little little different um, than yours. And this is not to detract from what Doug was saying because Doug's points were all very valid. You know, they were correct in a lot of cases. But in our defense, on that first episode of Tasha's, I think we were half in a bottle. I will say. If you guys remember, we were, yeah, we were, we were nipple deep in Santori Toki we, we had. And it was good. Highly recommended to those over 21 years of age who will drink responsibly. Please. Um, but yes, uh, thank you, Doug, for your feedback. Thank you for reaching out to us and taking the time to uh, engage with us. We do appreciate it. We, um, we are very flattered. And uh, very happy to have gotten the email. Very happy. Very happy. I have something to say. What else is new? <laughs> <laughs> the hell with you guys. I'm never wrong. My word is law. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> We're still working on those things with Bill. We let him believe he's right all the time. What's that? I couldn't hear you. Uh, well, I didn't My ears are bad. I didn't say anything. Okay. Okay, the artillerist. Let there be cannon. Not fodder. Just cannon. Just cannon. Magic-powered cannon uh, uses to hurl energy projectiles and explosives upon the battlefield or any other unsuspecting or very suspecting recipients of your uh, generous gifts. Yes. Um, Why don't we go start off with their spell uh, spell list that they get first? Yeah. Okay. Spell list. Third level. Sh- shield. Thunderwave. My favorite. That's why he wanted to start. There you go. Right there. Black and white. Thunderwave. Fifth, Scorching Ray and Shattered. Another of my favorites. Ninth, Fireball Wind Wall. Thirteenth, Ice Storm Wall of Fire. And seventeenth, Cone of Cold Wall of Force. Okay. This is an impressive little piece of ornament. It, it is. Um, the Ice Storm, I don't know where how it fits in with, with, with the theme, but it's... Um, a lot of this stuff is is like beautiful for for battlefield stuff. You I know, it's it's I think that ice storm could still fit for controlling the battlefield. Controlling thematically, I was wondering how how it would fit, but certainly, yeah, uh, battlefield control. Yeah, that the ice storm. Well, movement more than anything handy. else. Ice storm would be absolutely perfect for movement, especially in large areas. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm thinking of um, well. While Bill was going over this list, I was thinking of uh, um, the flashback scenes in the original Terminator. 
you know, where they were showing yep. like all oh, the machines, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, rolling over like the piles of skulls and the explosions and everything. And I just, I just see a bunch of artillerists uh, <laughs> in the wings doing that, along with their armor companions. You know, we may have to may have to throw those into that campaign we put together uh, last week. Yeah. Um, as I was reading through this, it's like, if you've listened to our last episode, you know exactly what I feel about guns and cannons. But I can I have two applications where I think this would fit very, very well. The entire subclass. First, if your campaign is revolving around a keep or a hold or a castle and you need to siege the castle or you need to protect against the siege of your castle, this would be very, very handy. Trebuchets are so large and clunky when you can just put this in a five-foot square and move it wherever you want. I'm going to say that if you have castles, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if you have castles in your D&D campaign, yeah, you should ask yourself why. <laughs> right? With with dragons flying around and wizards with fireball. Yeah. What, yeah. what good's a castle? You're going to spend a ton of money and a ton of labor just for some party member to come by and fireball your castle walls or thunder wave it. Minas Tirith survived. Minas Tirith did survive, but I didn't see anybody throwing around a lot of a lot of heavy duty um, spells, you know. And and the fell beasts, they were more like salamanders with wings, yeah. Than than the dragons, I think I you know the Middle Earth was kind of a low powered world, yeah, very much as far as magic goes. Um, but. That's a topic for a whole other episode. Yeah, we'll, yes, we'll get to the feelings on castles and keeps. And but I mean, I can see the castles. The other place I can see this fitting, this whole subclass, is on ships. Yeah, battleships. You know, you attack the ship. You know, broadside the broadside. You know, the old Spanish American War type deal. High masted ships with a couple artillerists on there because it has shields and spells. It has. Spells that also help fortify and, and you know for the people that are around it. So I can see these in those two particular places. Anywhere else, I have a tough time fitting these in, and that's it, just me. No, no, I I remember but, when um when I did the warehouse, you had a hard time with that because I had the, what they were called metalhead gnomes at the time because they wore they had the the mechs there. Right, they were sort of like their armors, and you had a hard time with that as well. Yes, I did. Yep. The issue I have, and this is this is merely merely being me being an old grognard and 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 not being fond of too much change is, I just I grew up on a um, more of a a, a a fantasy like a medieval fantasy D and D setting, mm-hmm. um, where it just didn't seem to to fit in. And now that sounds weird. If anybody's familiar with old D and D, there was. Um, you know, it was more it was more pulpy than it was Lord of the Rings. Oh, it was very pulpy. And and there were a lot of elements of science fiction, you know, and Psionic speaks to that. And I wish I could remember what the name of the module is. You know, I, I should probably I should probably email Dave Wiley over at Retro RPG Reviews oh, because he'll, I, he'll bet know you, I bet you he would know. It's um, like a flipping encyclopedia. There was something where you found a crash spaceship. It was a module from yes. like AD and D, and I for the life of me, I can't. The, actually, a lot of the early um, modules I noticed were drove a very long term post apocalyptic. 
Yeah, yeah, there was that vibe, you, you, wasn't you, there? At one, at one of them gave a description, and it sounded like a helicopter, mm-hmm. and you know, cockpit and whatnot, as a small apparatus from the old times, and and you know the the blades that were on top, and you know, it's like you know, the more you read it, it was very very couched in in nuance and what. But I mean, if you read it, going. That sounds like they're describing an old dilapidated helicopter that's been yeah. grown over. I mean, so the early editions of D and D were very post-apocalyptic. And they they were they were yeah. almost akin to uh, Terry Brooks's Shannara novels yes. a little bit. You know, yes. I think you're talking about Expedition to Barrier yes, Peaks. I think so. The Greyhawk. Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to think of what world it was. Um, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna email Dave. I haven't watched any any of his videos that dealt with that, so I'm gonna have to go through his catalog and then and then request <laughs> he do that because that was one of my favorites. But yeah, it was Greyhawk. Greyhawk was the postal. I was trying to think of what yeah. that that apocalyptic kind of world was, and it was it was Greyhawk. One of my mm-hmm. favorites. That was a Gary Gyjax thing because I remember having the uh, Gazetteer, which was yep. very um, it was very much so like medieval Europe, and it was. It was very well done. Nowadays, now if you pick that up off the shelf, you'd be like, "I'm not paying any money for this. This is <laughs> this, this isn't even done," um, because they would give you enough enough information to play in the world, but not so much that you couldn't make it your own. Which I think is kind of a big failing nowadays. But we just got way off way off topic. Way off. Topic. Way way <laughs> off topic. So this this artillerist, um, yeah, I I think I think you would certainly see these guys and these gals um, on on a ship. That yeah, I'd say I did, I seen two of them, but the, the one that immediately came to mind was on giant masted ships. You know, yeah. the, the old, like an ironclad, yeah, or, or something along those lines. But yeah, you know, broadside to broadside, let's lob some magical cannon fire at each other, and you know, the trick is not to sink it. If you sink it, you get hucked overboard. We want to be able to keep the ship and the crew and what's below in the holds. So, yeah, it, it, it's also a good way to keep them from going absolutely ballistic on you and, and wreaking absolute destruction, being threatened with being hucked overboard with their cannon and saying, well, you just ruined tens of thousands of gold pieces and their credits for us because you sank it. We told you not to sink it. Keeps them from going murder hobo on you. Yeah, it all kicks in at, at third level with the Eldritch Cannon. Yeah, you're creating magic cannons, uh, woodworking tools, and smith tools. Uh, you use an action to magically create a small or tiny Eldritch Cannon. doesn't matter what size. It has the same AC. It does the same damage. You can put legs on these things so they can move themselves. Oh, yeah, I've been doing some theory crafting for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading, like, wow, you can put as many legs as you want on it as long as there's at least two and it doesn't change. You know, it's just more theatrics than anything else but yeah to, uh, put legs on it to move it around and here come here boy come here boy come yeah here. and the more i the more i read about uh because this is this was uh like my third go around with um the uh artificer and not counting the um the the doug rereading <laughs> and uh <laughs> doug did bring up a a valid point where we kind of we were like, uh, you know, the expertise bit takes away from rogues and bards. And, you know, the more I read it, the more I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, if you're going to build cannons and stuff like that and armor, you want to be an expert at your craft. And it's just with the tools, but the bard and the rogue kind of get it with skills. Yeah. yeah, with with like pretty much anything they want to, you know, any skill they want to put it in. Right, so, right. 
yeah, it's a, uh, a valid point. And the more and more I read and read and read and read. And he, read. he obviously read it more often than we did. Him and his players. Or he paid, or he paid closer attention, closer which attention. is entirely possible as well. <laughs> um, Maybe a combination of the both. Yeah, I mean, just to craft a firearm in a world where this sort of technology may not be prevalent, um, or to craft something as, as, as fine as that, some exemplary uh, weapon, you know, uh, like, you know, the arcane firearm, certainly a, a, a much much more elegant weapon than a flintlock. True. I like the, yeah, well, I mean, part of, I mean, if you're going to use a cannon, at least it can do multiple things because you can craft different kinds. You know, Flamethrower, the ballista is, the, you know, basically your cannon fire, and does a protector, which is kind of cool. You know, you get your cannon that actually gives you a, a 1d8 plus your intelligence modifier within a 10-foot area with temporary hit points. That's actually pretty cool. So the cannon doesn't just do damage; it can actually protect the group as well. Yeah, and i I like that. Um, I like that you get. I mean, you're using your your intelligence. You know, you're getting some benefit out of that because I remember when it, and you almost wanted to have a high intelligence uh, because it granted you extra languages. Yep. And you know, in the old days of D and D, and a couple other features. Well, as your as your and, uh, wizards, it gave you more spells too. Yeah, it did. It yeah, and th- and that was um that was really important to having a a potent wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it almost seems like it's kind of like the uh, the dump stat, you know, is the intelligence for a lot of classes. Yeah, yeah. for a lot of yeah. classes, certainly not you know uh, the wizard, or, but you know, back in the old days, um, you got a lot from your intelligence. So it's nice to see that intelligence is being utilized by a class, um, and you know. Certainly, the, not being uh, relegated to the dump stat. Yeah, which is which is a shame, you know. And and I, I'm guilty of of uh, dumping my intelligence too. Um, no jokes, please. I saw Lou <laughs> lean towards the microphone. Um, <laughs> I'll be nice. That's a treat, huh? Well, I mean, charisma that? used to be the dump stat too, and now yeah. you know your, your warlock and your your uh, sorcerer. You know, that's where they your bard. Yeah, you know, they get all their spells out of there. So you know, you don't. It's tough to find a dump stat anymore. Yeah, they're making it. They're making it more and more difficult, which is a, a good thing. That's a good thing. You know? yeah. I think that's all class dependent, really. Yeah. Oh, very is. much. Yeah. And you know, there's nothing that that um, says you can't have an intelligent fighter. You know. Oh, by um, no means. Yeah. You know, you want to have those those the physicality be up to par. So it's almost you know really your your dumb stat is probably going to end up being intelligence. <laughs> yeah. I like playing the intelligent fighter. I don't even know what to say to it. We're both dumbfounded. We're just staring at you going, ah, I got nothing for that. That is not true at <laughs> all. Um, Left us so you get, you get your arcane, your arcane firearm and you're, you're, uh, you're, you're using a wad staff or rod, a rod. Wand. To, uh, wand, staff or rod. You said wad. Wad. <laughs> no more for you. Wand, staff or rod. Uh, to make your firearm. Would you like a bit more, Bill? I would love some. Thank you. Continue. <laughs> he just derailed me. <laughs> I'll have to cut this part out. No, we're going to leave it in. Um, yeah, same thing. Uh, sigils appear on the object. I I, I like the arcane firearm. Um, again, in certain areas. I can see this being used a little bit more widely, where you have a wand, a staff, a rod. I mean... You don't see a whole lot of rods of anything anymore. 
uh, wands and staffs, sure. But you takes that and turns it into an arcane firearm. That's not too bad, especially no. if you have something that uses charges. Wand, staff, or rod used to be a saving throw. Yes, it did. I remember yes, that it was. years yep. ago. Yeah. Yep. Um, and there were there were there were a lot of rods floating around. Oh, out there was there, a, yeah. a rod of lordly he might. might. Oh, everyone that's wanted the, the, yep. everyone wanted that one. Yeah. Oh, that's good, Lou. Thank you. You're welcome. You can uh, you can use this firearm as your spellcasting uh, focus for your artificer spells. Um, and and again, when you're using these these objects as your focus, uh, flavor them up. Oh yeah. You know, just don't say I'm casting like fireball. It's like you know, describe it. Where's was the where's the fireball coming from? Do you have like four or five different barrels, and you got a fireball barrel? You know that it's <laughs> that it's kind of coming coming yeah. through. Is there? Well, you know, every spell has a different effect, so it's like all right. You know, sparks start you know sparking out the end That's of the how barrel. I it, yeah. You know, and you hear this hissing sound, and all of a sudden, a high pitched whine starts building up, and all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> like a mortar, you hear this deep thump, and you feel it in your chest as it lobs it out there. I'm thinking like something like a a full sized freight train cruising down like the barrel of your gun until the fireball erupts from the other end. <laughs> there you and go. There being this like like uh, shrieking noise, like when the uh, when the Amato used the wave motion gun. <laughs> Yes. And just wreaking havoc and destruction on whatever, you know, as a customary with a fireball. Yeah, build it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah make it, I'm, make I'm it ca- fun. I'm casting fireball. Boring. Yeah, very. Yeah. Role play it, but role play it. Flavor. That's it. Explosive cannon. Right. Your, your cannon does another D8 damage, which is, is pretty cool. It's basically your next grade up. The feature of this one that seems interesting as an action, you can command the cannon to detonate. If you're within 60 feet of it. This is what I like about it. Doing so destroys the cannon and forces each creature within 20 feet to make a deck save or take 3d8 force damage on a failed half as much. On it. Okay. Uh, abandon ship. Just make sure we're within 60 feet. <laughs> is the captain over there looking at that funky new cannon? Great. Captain, say boom. <laughs> Yeah, that, and that's a that's a sizable chunk of damage too. Um, of course, if I were rolling the dice, I, I'd probably do a whole three or maybe even four points of damage. Oh, I give you all up to six. Yeah, you think so? I don't know. I don't know. My uh, my rolls on like digital dice. Senior citizen discount bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I that's a cool feature. You know, it does more damage, but okay, you need to leave it behind. All right, leave it behind. As soon as it's, it's destroyed, you can just cast another one. Yeah. Yep. And I'd want a self destruct countdown too, just to make it. Well, like I said, fun. I was I was theory crafting this at around ninth level, and I was like, this would be amazing when you have it go off. Yeah, a little magic mouth. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Is this good? <laughs> Three. Yeah. Just like yeah, two. just like the looks on the Klingons' faces <laughs> when they boarded the Enterprise. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Boom. Fortified position. Master at forming a well-defended emplacement using your Eldritch Cannon. This is um, another really interesting. You, know, you and your allies have half cover within 10 feet of the cannon. You created Eldritch Cannon. As a result of the shimmering field of magical protection that the cannon emits, that's got to look cool. Yep. I mean, it's 15th level, but it's still got to look cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're you're kind of in a, in a foxhole and taking heavy fire and you pop up that kind of weird shimmery like blue or purple or pink or whatever color you want 
like on a force field and you know shit's just bouncing off it every um, time it does you get the rippling effects yeah, yeah. the shimmering rippling effects cuz you know you got to have the shimmering ripple effects and you can have two cannons at the same time one to either side of you make sure they're at least 55 feet apart yeah, imagine no they could be right oh to 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 blow up yeah but <laughs> imagine having two flamethrowers cross yeah. crossing over somebody that's 68 you can get Potentially do damage with right before you even do yeah, the... yeah that was a fifteen foot cone so yep. yeah you put these things about thirty feet across and you point them at you know at that nexus point right in front of you that's a world of ouchie yeah wow so yeah. I got a question how would you use these character this class this is um this is something that I would probably use in a post apocalyptic fantasy setting um I think it would I think it would be out of place. Anywhere else, like in a high fantasy type yeah, setting, fan- yeah, I don't, I don't think these would fit very well in high fantasy. I agree, but I can see them being like an integral part of a like a post apocalyptic type of thing. Like, what if, um, just throwing it out there, what if, what if, uh, well, what if there was a need for this type of technology? You know, technologies develop, you know, kind of based on need. You know, yep. we we need to do this, or we need yes, to do and that. then they're bastardized for weapons. Yeah. But what if what if the, these were specifically designed? You know, we have to combat something. What if um what if the world was uh what if the world was overtaken by um by vampires or illithids? What if they finally succeeded? The illithids finally succeeded in blotting out the sun. Right, you're going to need all sorts of magical stuff to combat like these illithid armies, and now you have like you have these uh these artificers. The artificer class kind of their profession comes to be based on the need for these these weapons. So the artificers are the ones that are kind of the heroes of the day. So you have the artillerist who's um, you know, controlling the battlefield. They're, you know, they're they're taking out massive numbers of like illithid forces, whoever they may be. Thought eaters. Wave of thought eaters yeah. in front of them. And um they're doing it at a distance because you don't want them to get too close. Um, but the landscape of the world would be like just a, a wreck, you know, charred trees and, and um, destroyed buildings. It would be very, a very dark and, and, and bleak kind of uh, kind of fantasy world where you're fighting against these these overlords that, you know, are pretty much in a more more secure and solid and winning position than than you are. My artificer is going to be named Neo. <laughs> so with that type of world, how would you build your artificer? Because I already have an idea for my for what, how I would do it. It depends on what artificer I was building. But if with, I was doing an artillerist, artillerist yep. um, we'll let Bill go after you. I don't know. My art, my artillerist would. Good question. Yeah, I think I would want a Goliath artillerist just to carry around these ridiculously large weapons. Well, you don't have to make them large. Remember, you can have them tiny. They can sit on your shoulder. Yeah, but I want them big. <laughs> Because you're know, more intimidating that way. I want to. Yeah. I want to. I want to see a lot of stuff, kind of be ravaged by it. It and you could do that with a teeny tiny little one. Yep. But I want that kind of artillerist. I want an. I want a battlefield artillerist, not a sneaky one. Okay. I want someone who's going to load up his stuff in this massive backpack and pulls out his. It pulls. Well, if you're going to go on Goliath, it pulls out his his Eldritch cannon, looking like a pistol. Yeah. How about you, Bill? Um, I was thinking along the lines of like an orc or a half orc carrying this, you know, this thing around like a shotgun. Okay. So you're carrying it around like a shotgun. Um, but how would you use 
because I'm, I'm doing some theory crafting, and I'd, I'll explain what I what I was getting to, how and why I think the class is still a little overpowered. Still, uh, quick and short, if I was on that world that you said, I will have the replicate item ability. First of all, I would make two bags of holding. I like my bags of holding. We know. I would invert one bag over the muzzle of the cannon, have the cannon get as close as it can because it can move on its own. Yep. Have it shoot through the bag. What happens? Um, it depends on the DC of the bag because... There is no DC. It just has an AC and hit points. Yeah. Right. So that just means it just fires into the pocket dimension. No, I have inverted the bag. Inverted the bag. Oh, okay. Oh. I see. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but I don't know if you can do that. I don't yes, think... you can because you can pierce the bag from the outside. Yeah, you can pierce it from the outside, but I don't think you can actually invert it over the... Yeah. Because that opens up the plane. The plane nope. opens at the mouth of the bag. If you... And I really thought about this because if you take your bag and pull it inside out, all yep. the contents that are in there spill out. The bag is still there and everything is still around. It. Okay. Yeah. So now you just created a void. You know, anything that's around that 10, I think it's 10 feet around, circular, that gets sucked into another dimension. That's why I think this class is overpowered. See, I got to reread the bags of holding. So you, I'm thinking bags of, the old bags of holding. Oh, so you there, would there. march this into, let's say, like a crowd of enemy yep. soldiers. And shoot the bag, blowing a hole in it. Anything running close to it within ten feet will get sucked in, anyways. Yep. And then, the, so on a charge, <laughs> your your broken bag of holding would devour potentially hundreds yes. of of enemies. Yeah, I can. And, and then I he can, then he fires it off. You got to be with, don't you have to be within sixty feet to set it off? Yeah, I could, but you remember, the void only takes anything within ten feet. Right. So as long as I'm fifty five feet away, I can give it the. The command to detonate. Right. I'm safe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um. Yeah, see, as a game master, I would give it a 120-foot radius. That's fine. I still sacrifice for my cause. Y- yes, you would. But, Just make sure you went down with it. So I would have to deal with how, you or your cannon. But they say when you theory craft like that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it yeah. can potentially damage your DM's game, all the work he did into it. Yeah, it, it, it could, but it, you know, really, uh, part of, Part of running a game is thinking on your toes. Well, yes, um, because we try to do something similar with that, with the beholder that you put us up against my world, and you t- had to take a break for a minute and um, really think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, so I, I really, I was like, you know, as much as I really want to like this subclass, and I guess it's really because our world, our homebrew world is so low magic. I yeah, think, we're, we're a little biased. Yeah. I mean, outside of that, like I said, if you were... If I didn't think like that, setting that you just said would be perfect for this class, I think. Yeah, I I think, I mean, I know I could have a really good time running a game with, with um, artificers. And and I would, um, I would go like full 1970s Ralph Bakshi on okay, this, yep. you know, where, where the, the bad guys are just blatantly like Nazi vampire illithids yep. you know right all the way down to like <laughs> the uniforms you know make them the baddest of bad guys and just put like world war one era military uniforms on the artificers because right why wouldn't they have a uniform it just no, look right? cool you yeah. know they'd have yeah. their you know but, and, but and organize it. elements yeah yeah exactly or organize it just like yeah. you would a um 
you know, like a, a, a military organization, yep. you know, maybe they're mm-hmm. a squad or, you know, part of a certain regiment, you know, and they have their own patch and in, in, in the whatnot and uh, just do a lot of gritty World War One kind of trench warfare battles with them, but with a fantasy element, you know, where, you know, the enemies have uh, necromancers on hand to reanimate the dead on the battlefield, you know, so you're constantly you know, unless losing your regiment and he's, he's got a, he's got a bag of devouring, you know, that he's, he's eating up the enemies on the end of a cannon. Yeah. Well, the thing about you can, um, as soon as I blow one up, I can make another one the next day. Yeah. And, and another bag of holding, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then, I mean, there's tactics like that that would most likely be employed on the battlefield, you know, but you got these necromancers that are, that are raising the dead on the battlefield, yep. you know, for a whole other wave. So it's this terrible, terrible, Cycle war, you know, it's just this war that's probably been going on for 30 or 40 or more years um, to the point where, you know, every time one side gains a little bit of ground, uh, they end up losing it. You know, it's 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 a constant back and forth tug of war with between the two, uh, the two forces with these illithids and, um, you know, the allied forces, you know, maybe have an entire species of of. D and D peoples wiped out to the or, or close to the brink of extinction, and just have this dark and gritty campaign. I'm in. When Why did I suddenly it? just vision carrier pigeons as brownies instead? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be <laughs> right. Why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. you got a choice of brownie or message pigeon. for you, sir. I'm in. Corporal, literally, her. You know, maybe those maybe those brownies are are one of those one of those species that are that are teetering on the edge of extinction yep. because right, you want to shoot down the brownies. Yeah. You don't want them to, you know, deliver their messages. Yep. So, you know, these these brownies that grew up in these these idyllic fantasy forest settings are now these gritty, scarred up, you know, little little people you with know, cigars and foul buff, mouths. Buff, buffed out. Yeah. <laughs> with muscles on them. You and know, stuff. they're missing limbs and yep. stuff and, and you know, they have these little like metal arms and um they're just you know, they're they're hardcore. When you're running it. Well, I'm gonna have to get to. I would have to get to writing, um, but that that would be really, really, really fun. And um, I think you could have a good time with with a uh, with a party of all the same class, if if it's done right. If it's done right, yes, I yeah. believe. Yeah, you know? if you're doing it the way you just depicted it, it would be perfect. I think. Yeah, you know, you you decide which you know what function each unit, I guess, performs, and well. Each unit wouldn't be exclusively just one group, so you'd give yourself because you, you're going to need your healer, you're going to need your strategist. You know, so if you had a party of six, three of them would be your artillerists. That'd be your front line, and then you'd have your support crew or your leadership, and then two support. Yeah, so you like, know, you'd but have still, your the, yeah, yeah. The, but the well, majority of it would be your artillerists, and everything would be because that's what your unit does. You know, is, is half or slightly better is, is that. And then everyone else is, well, you get your leader, and then you have your, your healer or, you know, well, in this case, it would be your the alchemist, your alchemist or something like armors. that. Right. So you'd have one of each of those to help repair things and keep track of everything. But, yeah, I could I could see that. That would be, that'd be fun. We're going to have to call some friends. We're going to have to call some people. We're going to have to call some friends and uh, and and play some play some games online, I think. Everyone gets to build. Even me. Everyone but Lou gets to yeah. <laughs> gets to build an artificer. Lou's running the game. I didn't hear that. My 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 hearing aids turned. I'll off. say it louder. <laughs> <laughs> I found a way to shut him up. 
<laughs> not for long. No, no. Yep. So that's that's it. That's the that's the artillerist. That's our take on it. Again, yep. it's only our take. Um, that's how we would use it in the campaign. And again, a big thank you to uh, to Doug who uh, reached out to us a week or two ago and uh, had uh, had some had some thoughts on our assessment of the uh, artificer. And that's a look at the artillerist. Stay tuned for next week when we talk about the battlesmith. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day. <laughs>